0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Axiom Podcast. It's a podcast feed by Axiom Church in Arizona. We really just want to host some conversations about what we think God is up to in our community and in our world. And we also want to post our sermons from our Sunday gatherings. You can get all that here and more. Um, so definitely interact with us on our social medias. It's all under um Axiom Church AZ. And our website's axiomchurchaz.com. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. Well, it is good to see you guys. My name's Gavin and uh, I'm thank you. Yeah. I'm back. Um and it is good to be back. Uh, thank you so much for letting me take some time to, to rest. Um, I want to begin with a word from Psalms 18:28. This is a, it's really a prayer. "You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light." So Jesus, as we come to you, we pray that you would illuminate our spaces you would give us eyes to see you would be the source of our wisdom and knowledge we thank you for the power that comes to us through the incarnation of your word jesus amen yeah yeah thank you so much for giving me some time to be away Uh, it was a gift to me uh, sabbatical uh, four or five weeks I was out, and so I'm seeing some new faces. I would love to meet and connect with you guys uh, at some point. Seeing some old faces. I want to hug, squeeze you, and kiss you, um, and so I hope that's all right with you. Um, sabbatical for me was about abstinence from work, and uh, I did that. I was able to, to rest, and as I did that, I disengaged here so that I could re-engage with Jesus and with my family. And I was able to do that. And people have asked me, like, what did you do on your sabbatical? Well, I got drunk on Jesus. I, I took him in. And I got really intoxicated on the person and presence of Christ. The Gospels, I was reading them every day. And I didn't have to write a sermon. Uh, And it was a gift to me to be able um, to do that. But as I entered into my time of rest and my time of being away, I I realized that my sense of separation that I was experiencing from God comes to me out of a mass of to-dos, a mass of thoughts, and a mass of, of feelings. I was carrying with me all sorts of things all the time, so much so that my, my awareness of God was, was filtered out. Uh, I was blinded by my things. And so, so by pruning myself from the massive to-dos, thoughts, and feelings, I was free to enter into a spacious and silent land, a place that it had been a long time since I'd been there. And it was wonderful for me. I was able to see that my separation from God was truly just a highly filtered perception. The, the window was foggy. And I needed to hit the defrost button on the dash. Then I could see. Then I could walk with confidence. I was, I was sobered by my Sabbath. I don't mean because I was like a a drunk before, but I mean because I was drunk on all the things. I was doing so much that I was stumbling around. And to be able to sober up in Sabbath put me in touch with Jesus, and I am so grateful for that. It reminded me that I, I, I need to protect the Sabbath in my life you know it's a law. It's not it's not a good suggestion. It's like a law. Like, do this or it'll hurt. <laughs> Martin Laird says, exterior isolation is overcome through interior communion. And that was kind of the irony of my Sabbath, was that while i before I'd been around and immersed in all the things and everywhere all at once, somehow, some way, I felt in exile. I felt isolated. But somehow in the pruning and going into the still and quiet place, I felt more deeply connected to each of you and to God than I'd been in a long time. That's just the beauty of how the kingdom is so inverse from the way of the world at times. And I just was reminded of that. Now, I share all this because Lent is here. We're in Lent. And, and Lent holds the same sobering principle that Sabbath holds. While Lent is not abstinence from work, it is a stripping away. Lent is a fasting. It's a, Lent is a deconstruction. Lent is a pruning, stripping away of things. We, we, we fast so that we can feast. And as we starve the flesh, we learn to notice and appropriately feed the spirit. Because sometimes our body and spirit are not both within the will of God. And so we we abstain from the one that pushes itself forward to make room for the one that's in the background. We love on our spirit when we do this. And, and we, we deconstruct so that we can reconstruct. We detox and detach in Lent from distractions. And this, this principle is one that Jesus speaks of over and over again. Like, like we move from death to resurrection. That's what Lent is. Lent is coming up to the door of death. Because that door is one that is before all of us at all times. But when we get to that door and we've stripped away all the things, what we realize at that door is we don't have to be afraid because somebody's walked through that door in front of us. It was left ajar. Jesus went through that door. And that somebody didn't just go through the door of death. That somebody came back out of the door. And we too, one day, will go through the door and come back out of it. Lent allows us to every year come back to this principle. And when we strip away all the other things and we get down to the nitty gritty, the the real Jesus as Jesus displays himself. We, we, we see this principle over and over again. Jesus was obsessed with talking about death. Very emo Jesus. But he was also obsessed with talking about life. But this principle of losing so that we gain, that, that we find in Lent is all over the place. He, I'm just going to give you a handful of one-liners and I could give you so many more, but I'll let the man speak for himself. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So that what's the principle? The principle is, as you let go, you will receive. He's, he's flipping it over. Then come follow me. Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, like all the things we hold most precious, the things we don't want to let go of, the things we refuse to to, to release, as you release those things, right? You enter into that pattern. For my sake, you will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There's the principle again. Mark 9, 35. It's not just Matthew, it's Mark 2. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. John also, 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Losing and gaining I better not leave Luke out. Luke 9, 24, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Over and over and over again, Jesus reminds you and me, and we need this reminder, and that's why he's so gracious to give it to us. Guess what? You're going to face hard things. Guess what? You're going to have to let go. Guess what? There's going to be a pruning. But that pruning is good for you because it turns out we've attached all sorts of things to ourself, and not just ourselves, but to Jesus. We've carried with us all sorts of baggage, all sorts of ideas, all sorts of assumptions, all sorts of thoughts that maybe they don't belong and maybe we need a minute to go through the car wash again and, 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 and repent and ask Jesus to help us fix our eyes in a way that we're really just seeing him. We're not taking Jesus plus, you know, my other ideas and meshing them together as we're so tempted to do, darn it. That's, that's the invitation. That's the invitation. You see, Lent is losing and letting go to gain. And by doing this, when you choose to enter into Lent in this way, when you choose to let go and to surrender, you, you place yourself in the way of God's grace. You park yourself in the way of the grace of God. That is, that you put yourself in a space where God can do in you and for you what you cannot do in yourself or for yourself. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your grace. As we let go, as we release. And I know it's scary, it's freaking terrifying. It's vulnerable. It's even painful. But I want to tell you a story about what happens when we place ourselves in the way of God's grace. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Now, how many of you have heard or read the story of the Good Samaritan? A couple of you have read your Bibles. That's good. Um, it's a pretty well-known story, and I'm going to read it with you today, uh, and, and then come back to this question of placing ourselves in the way of God's grace. This is what it says in verse 30, and, and I want us to read, Jesus, help us to read this with new eyes today. Help us to receive again through, through your red letters. All right. In reply, Jesus, not somebody else said this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look, look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, typically we we read this passage and we think about, well, I better not be the Levite or the priest. I better be like the good Samaritan, right? But and but I want to be, I, I, I want to be like the good Samaritan, and, and that's accurate. But I what if we chose to be the one who's been robbed? What if we chose to be the one who has had things taken from them? What if we chose to be the one who's lost so we might gain? What if we allowed ourselves to be in the way of God's grace? Now, there's no doubt Jesus places himself as the good Samaritan, which is kind of mind-blowing also because Samaritans were like taboo. They were no good, okay? They didn't no good for the, for the Jews. They did not like Samaritans, but Jesus chose to lift up the marginalized before the Levites and the priests, the ones who knew better. But see, the ones who knew better with all their attachments to what they think about God and how to follow God couldn't do the very thing that God himself would do. Because they haven't placed themselves in the way of God's grace yet. They haven't allowed themselves to be robbed of all the things They haven't realized that they're half dead as this person is. We need to experience the ministry of Jesus' healing hands. That he comes to us, sees us in our half dead states, whatever they are, and he has compassion on us. And he... Pours himself out for us. He puts the oil on. He bandages us. He picks us up and places us in the care of others to love on us. And and then promises to return. We gotta gotta start there. We don't get to start as the good Samaritan. Start as the one who's been beaten and broken. And, and you see, in this story of the Good Samaritan, we learn that while we have all fallen into the hands of robbers, there is still one who has common mercy to bandage our wounds. So I'm praying this Lent that we will allow ourselves to be stripped naked. We'll allow ourselves to release whatever it is. We'll allow ourselves to, to, to foolishly, vulnerably, painfully go through the fire if that's what we need so that God can begin to put our pieces back together. Y'all, some of you need your pieces put back together. I, I do. I sat in my, my cabin on sabbatical and wept as I was reminded of this. That, dang, I, I, need, I need to be tended to. It's going to take some time. Let's, let's go there together. This is the, this is the opportunity of the land. It's just to strip this stuff away. Now, I don't know what you've got to strip away, okay? But, but this is the opportunity. It's, it's pretty straightforward. You have a chance to revisit Jesus and ask him the question what things have I attached, put on Jesus? In all the melee of my life and all the things that are going on, what is all the stuff I've attached and put on that is prevented me from seeing just how tangible and compelling Jesus is? What's kept me from letting Jesus be the, the soul of my attention? And what characteristics and assumptions have we placed on ourselves to prevent us from seeing just how tangible he is. So it's not just an issue that we've, you know, put lipstick on Jesus. But we've done that. We've added all sorts of things that don't belong there. But we've also assumed some things on us that we need to release. And when you get to the Gospels and you just get, get drunk on the Gospels with me and, and listen to the words of Jesus and you stay with him, he, he, he speaks for himself. And and it's it's beautiful and compelling. And darn it, convicting too. Because there's power and authority in the words of Jesus. But I know it's so tempting to have Jesus plus, you know? It really is. Especially when, especially when we leave here. You know, we're out there. How many of you are fighting a culture war right now? You're mad at something. I was reminded recently that we should be conscientious, conscientious objectors to the culture wars. We refuse to fight those battles and instead sit at the feet of Jesus. And I, I wanna be at his feet. I don't wanna have the blinders on. I don't wanna be the priest or the Levite. Yo, I am, I am often. I am. During my sabbatical, I, I visited Idaho, among other places, and, and, and I had to drive a few hours at night to get to my destination, and it was a remote destination. I got off the grid, okay? Um, I, I, here's the irony of my sabbatical. I went to Idaho to go to a place called Hope, Idaho. That was the imagery for my Sabbath. So said, ah, this will be nice. Can't wait to get there. Now, Hope, Idaho sits at the base of the Cabinet Mountain Range up against Lake Pend Oreille in the middle of nowhere. And as I approached the mouth of the bay, at night, might I remind you, I entered into the thickest fog I've ever driven into in my entire life. And as I'm doing that, I was on the phone with my wife. I was like, honey, uh, I, I am entering into some serious fog. Right now. Disconnect, disconnected, and I lost her so not only did i enter into a fog i lost cell phone reception and my gps went down at the same time and i'm inching along i haven't seen a car in quite some time i'm not even on a pa- like a normal paved road that's the kind of remote i'm talking about okay and i've got to figure out how to get to my luxury cabin on a lake after I lost all of this I began to feel some things like fear I was a little nervous should I pull over do I keep inching my way I see nothing I can't see anything now before the fog I could see perfect I could see all the deer in the road there were many but now I'm driving I, I can't I can't see 15 feet in front of me so after about 10 minutes of that, I'm like, I gotta pull over. I haven't even seen a car. I can't even follow the lights of another car. I pull over and I just like, well, good thing, uh, you know, I've got a water bottle with me. I guess I'll park here. And then I noticed my sugars were going down and I'm diabetic. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. That's not good. It'll be fine. That's not good. And I started to panic a little bit, as we do in the fog. Right? Not just literal fog. Now, my destination to hope started to become a destination to hopelessness. And as it started to kind of really get to me, honestly, I was nervous. Um, Thankfully, the cloud passed. And as the cloud passed, can you guess what was right there beside me? It was my cabin. It was right there. I was embarrassed. I actually looked around to make sure nobody saw me. (laughs) Nobody saw me. (laughs) And I turned off and parked and went in, and I was fine. You see, this is what happens is we get scared. And when we're scared, we know that we've lost sight of what's right next to us. And it's easy to attach and to fil- have a filter problem of all sorts and kinds. And so this Lent, this is my prayer for us. That we would trust in letting go and know that as we do, we, we find gain. And that gain is Christ person and presence of Christ. And as we do that, Jesus will minister to us. He'll bandage us. He'll take care of that scared thing. He'll turn us from water to wine. He'll give us new eyes. You'll be born again and again and again. So you can do that. So I want to close and invite us to confront The person of Jesus, who, guess what? He's right beside you. He's before you, behind you, beside you, above you, below you. He's within you. Because he rose from, he came back through the door. Uh, We have a lot of artists in this community. One of our artists, his name is Johnny Kerr, and he's put together a series of posters to capture the the liturgy and calendar of the church, church calendar. And one of them is on Lent. And I wanted to share this image and just invite you to fix your eyes on it as a way to kind of help you move towards Jesus. And and as we do that like let's let's begin to pray and you can pray right where you are you can pray to Jesus out loud or quietly you can huddle with others if you need to but we're going to we're going to look at this for a minute and ask God to be the light in our darkness ask him to strip away all the things and be reminded that we have all that we need in him so let, us, let me start us in prayer, and then you guys can take it from there. If you want, there's a canvas in the back. You can, if, if Jesus will reveal to you some things, feel free to put it up there, okay? Let's pray.